We all know it's extremely challenging to get a first feature film made, even if you're already in the entertainment industry. I'm George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief at No Film School. This is the No Film School podcast, and today I'm interviewing Nadine Crocker. She's been an actor in the industry for a while. She's been a survivor and a fighter against odds and challenges throughout her career, and she's thrived. But she always really wanted to get behind the camera, direct, tell a personal story that she felt not only mattered to her, but could have an impact on the world. Wow, a lot easier said than done, right? Even if you already know people. So today, she tells us about how she had to fight tooth, claw, nail, blood, sweat, and tears, every little bit of everything against all odds and often with everything on the line to get this movie made. Continue. And she did make the film. And the story of Making Continue is one of addressing challenges every single step of the way. Something we're all familiar with from writing the script to raising the money to making connections with producers to finding a way to get a location to give you access at a discount. It's just every little bit of the struggle that we all think about or have experienced laid bare. Nadine holds nothing back. She's completely honest. And that's just sort of the case with the story and the movie itself, which is deeply personal. So here we go. Nadine Crocker on Continued. Hi, Nadine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this, by the way. This is very exciting. Thank you so Um, much for having me. You know, I just want to start with... This is a directorial debut. Very exciting. What inspired you to be like, I want to get behind the camera and direct, write and direct a movie? Like, what was the, what was the reason that you decided? Was it something you always wanted to do? It was. I've like known that directing was definitely going to be part of my path at some point. I, yeah, I always knew I wanted to. I think since I was young, I've been directing movies in my mind and I didn't really realize that. And, you know, over the years, writing scenes to put them up in class, writing scenes for other people. Cause I'm like, oh yeah. And you know what? Will you guys let me direct you in the scene a little bit? And like, just like <laughs> you know, experimenting with it in any way that I could. And it just felt like all the cards with continue kept leading towards, I had to, I had to do it. I had to draft. I had to finally do it, you know, so you've been- take that chance. <laughs> And you'd been acting that that had been you'd been doing that for a while. Did you ever think like maybe I'll you know do an episode of something or I'll do like or were you just like it's going to be my personal feature? You know, it's very hard to make a debut and have it be like it's not just going to be a feature length film, but it's going to be one that is so personal to you that is like your own story, really, right? Yeah, I I I think I always knew it was going to be in this way. I also have all I mean, film has been my life, like. It was my escape. It was my film school. It was all those things. It's pretty much all I do is is watch movies and television. And so I knew eventually that I was going to tell a story in, in a feature film. And I don't know that I, I necessarily knew it was going to be my story in such a personal way. But I kind of had an idea as I got through my 20s that I was going to have to share this story eventually. So I had a feeling that if there was ever going to be one that I was going to be brave enough to be like, okay, this is the thing that I have to helm. It was probably going to be continue. 
How long did you work on the script before you decided or, and, and I guess second part of the question. So how long, and then what let you know that this was ready? Like what got you the like, okay. Cause that's one of the hardest things for writers to determine is, I mean, sometimes you find out if you're fortunate from the outside world, there's somebody who's like, we want to make this movie, but that doesn't always happen. You know, you usually have to be like, I think it's good enough to share with my reps or, you know, so, so how long? And then, and then when did that moment come? Honestly, this is like a 10 year journey from starting to write these scenes and perform them in class and just kind of starting to dive into, you know, what happened and, and my experience with it and being open enough to kind of start talking about my depression and, you know, my past and all of those things. And the more that I shared those scenes in class or, you know, the little bits that I was writing, the more that I'd hear back from people that they really connected with it. And then, mm. then they'd start sharing their stories with me. And the more and more I did it, more and more I realized how badly someone needed to talk about this that needed to be brave enough to tell their story so that others would be brave enough to tell theirs as well. And so I started writing and I had never written a screenplay before. And so there was a lot of, did you read any, did you, you said classes. So I'm really curious what kind of classes they were, but, but what did you use as like a model for like, okay, never written a screenplay before. How do I start? (laughs) Literally reading as many screenplays as I possibly could and reading as many books on screenplays, talking to any friends that I had that were writers. And then in class, it was like acting class. It was like, that's how it all started as me wanting to work on characters that I wasn't really being given at the time. You know, I wanted to, Mm. to work on things that made people feel and think and, you know, I was going in for a lot of like the bitchy snarky hot, you know? And I was like, God damn, give me some substance, you know? And so I just started writing these scenes as kind of an experiment with myself on writing. And if I could, and it it went from there and yes, to answer you, I am my own worst critic. I am very precious with my work. I will not let anyone see it until it's in the right phase. Like me and my husband are so different. He'll send someone like a draft that he's only a few pages through and like not even think about it. And I'm like, no, this is like my seventh draft. They wanted to be the first of the rest of the world, but like, you know, so it just came to that day where it was like, I have taken this as far as I can. I've had all the writers that are closest to me give me notes or give me some feedback. I've gotten some feedback on the blacklist and different things like that. And I was like, I have to finally share this. And I also have this connection with Cassian. And it was like this really extraordinary moment where I was basically saying that he was my one goal and he had been on my vision board for, you know, the last year of like, because he and I knew each other, I was like, I'm going to send, he's the one who I'm going to send this to when I finally Hmm. feel ready. And I was sitting there talking to my husband and my friend about it. And he walked in the door like as I was speaking about him. And so I was like, all right, now or never lady. You said all you wanted to do was run into him again and you were going to finally send this thing out. So I did. And then the rest is history. I, and of course I was always working on the script all the and way up. When you say send it out, who did it go to? What was the like, you know, list of people that you sent out the script to initially? And what was that response like? I sent it to my team at the time. And then... Did they know you were writing or... Not really. And I'll tell you the truth. Like, I'm gonna be super candid. No one took it seriously. Like, I, I don't, I think they're like, you know, everyone's a writer and everyone's mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know. So it was a little bit of that attitude where I was like, okay, well, 
you know, if the fancy team that I'm with now isn't even, you know, like won't read it, like, okay, well then I'm obviously going to have to branch out and do this on my own and start to figure these wow. things out on my own. And so then I did. And, and eventually I sent it to Cassian and started sending it to some different producers I knew. And did it like bust into the, like, you know, cause a lot of people will think and assume like, oh, you're already like in the industry. Right. So this idea that, and it's great that we get to debunk that immediately, but like this idea that you're like, oh, it's easy to get your first feature made. You're in the industry, but it's like, no, nobody took you seriously because they're like, we know what you are and we know what we can earn based on what you do. And this isn't it. (laughs) So it doesn't matter how big your agency is. Right. And how much success you've had doing one thing. Like nobody wants you to change lanes. Right. No, absolutely not. I also, my script is like very ambitious and I had to break some rules in this movie and people were not comfortable with me being confident enough to break those rules and be like, no, this is how I'm doing it. This is how I see it. And there's things about my film and the ending and these different things that I won't change and I'm not willing to. And, and so I think that that was a bit of my challenge too. I think everyone would have loved for me to change things to be more Hollywood or the way that they wanted it to be. But I wasn't willing to do that. So I also was willing to work as hard as I had to until I could make this movie the way I wanted to. And and, and what like, you know, and then so like those producers and Cassian and like that, that route got you like, that was the, okay, yeah, these reps aren't going to help me here, but I'll find people who will. And once you found a team that was on board with all that, was there like you didn't want to compromise anything how hard was it to like secure funding and, and like actually make production happen well i raised every dollar and i invested my life savings so like <laughs> it was difficult and uh there was challenges and then you know yeah so it took a couple of years i had the first chunk of money and then we were trying to raise the second and like also legal takes forever and it's just yeah. like you know, you're taking seven months to negotiate this contract and now that's done. So we already missed the dates we were hoping to aim for. So let's get new dates while we're wrapping up this contract. You know, it's just like people think movies, it's glamorous and it like comes, it's like, no, it's like a snail's pace and you're tap dancing and doing everything you can to make this dream happen. And for me, it was like everything that can go wrong, like always did. And like, I finally wrapped my film and then COVID hits and it's like literally (laughs) making movies is impossible, but it's like the best thing in the entire world. It makes you feel so much joy, but also when you're going in it, you're like, I think I'm balding from stress. Like, (laughs) you know, so you, you went through all that. I love that. How much honesty you, how much honesty you bring to it. But like, so you went through all that to get it made you, everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Can you tell us some of the things you did to like adjust when the plan turned on you? Like in pre-production or like you lose dates or like you have, you know, something changes. Like how long was your shoot? I guess. Like how many days did you have? 19 days. Wow. Really ambitious for the script that we have, the film that we have, how cinematic it, I wanted to make sure that it always looked. And my only goal was to make it look 10 times bigger than what I had the budget to make it, you know? So yeah, we only had 19 days. How do you Um, do that? What are some ways that you can get it to look 10 times bigger in 19 days and like limited resources? Like your cinematographer, like mine and his trust, our prep work that we did together. We worked seven days a week during prep he wasn't even paid for all of that prep. Neither. I mean, I've never made a dollar on, you know, so it's like, we were just there out of pure love and passion. And we were determined to make this film 
beautiful and unique and an experience and then brings in the entire team that we had collaborating on it and that trust and production design, I would say is like the number one thing, like, yeah, you want it to look 10 times better. You better make sure that everything that is in that frame looks goddamn good because there's, you know, like it's difficult and it's difficult when you have no money to make sure that it looks damn good, you know, no money and, and very, very little time. How was the scout? Like how, how hard was it to find the locations that would work and like get it all ready? Like from that perspective, so much goes into prep, right? Where did you shoot? Where did we shoot? Yeah. LA. And it was really, in some ways that's harder, right? Oh, it's way harder (laughs) to anybody. Go somewhere with a tax credit, go somewhere where everyone's not jaded and annoyed at you for filming, for parking. Like people here, like, oh, we're filming a little indie. Like, we, you know, it's very small budget. They're like, cool, $10,000. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah. Uh-huh, that's like my whole budget for the week. You know, like not happening. Yes. So, so how did you work that? Like, but like, was it favors or was yes. it? Yeah. I, I'm a, I've been a waitress in Los Angeles since I was 16. I dropped out of high school, moved here when I was 16, been on my own since 16. So I've worked in so many damn bars. My producing partner had worked in so many bars. We called in every favor we possibly could in every process of it, you know, and in locations and all of it. I mean, I, they called me their secret weapon because I mean, we, we filmed in an active mental institution. It was really important to me that we had that authenticity and that we had that, I mean, that production design also, it's like, we didn't have to do anything. We walked into their rec center. Like that is their room for breaks when they were out on outside time. And so we were actually in an institution working around their schedules, doing those things. Well, yeah, they wanted like $12,000 a day. And I don't want to say what I got them down to on here because like, <laughs> you know, they're probably like, because oh God, probably don't most- that, please. Right. But I got them down to a budget that a 19 day film can actually afford. And people were like, how? And I'm like, donuts and begging and coffee. Yeah. Like I just pulled <laughs> up there and was like, let me tell you my story. Let me beg and let me like I'll well, that's, tell me you know well you're 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 a survivor in a lot of ways I mean you're adding to the story like came out here at 16 on your own out of high school and like made it this far so you probably had some like reserves of confidence like hey I can make shit happen when the odds are against me because you've already done that tell us like I know charisma plays a factor I know that but there are ways to get people on your side and willing to help you and to see you as not just like, oh, it's money. It's a movie. It's like, there's, like you said, there's so much jaded in LA, like, oh, they have money and and I don't want to help them. And like, whatever, they're going to screw up my house or trample all over the floor. Like you said begging, but like, it sounds like what you really did was you talked to them about who you were and why this was important to you. And they believed you. Did you have to be like super vulnerable? That's hard to do, right? I am a, a person who... For so many years in my 20s, I was trying to be what everyone else wanted me me to be. And I think that's what led to so much of my depression and my suicidal, you know, thought and all of it, just being miserable and wanting to just be able to be yourself. And so going past that, I just swore that from that point forward, I'd just be authentically me. And whether people resonate with that or they don't, that's all I can be. That's all I know how to be. And I think that when you're open enough to just be like, this is me, this is my story. It's not some glamorous, some glory, like 
It's me wanting to help people above all else. I come from a family of suicide. I know what that hold leaves behind, the unanswered questions, the the pain. I'm also a survivor from that. Like what I am here doing is to try and help people. And if you could support me for just two days in your location, like it changes my life. It changes my dreams. It changes other people's lives. So you're seeing exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. My passion. I, I like. I, I mean, if I was running heart. a mental institution, I would have been like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, that's, I can see why they were like, this is a cause. Like, this is something we can believe in or we can get behind. But like, it's so hard for people to access it. But I think what you're reminding us all of is that it's really important that your story be something you can connect to on that level. Otherwise, why is anyone else going to get behind it? You know? Your passion and your vision is everything. Now, like going forward and going into my next films and everything, what I've realized is the more open I am about my passion, my vision, all of those things that at the first, it's kind of scary to like sit in front of someone you really admire and be like, this is me and this is what I see and hope that they like it. But at the same time, like I know now that that's what makes it special. They either resonate or they don't, and don't want the people who don't resonate anyway. So let them make the decision that they're going to make and just be you. And that's what I do going into all of it. And you have to be, if you aren't passionate and you aren't excited by everything you're saying, it's, it's hard to believe that they will be, you know, or that they'll feel that like, yeah, you have to care about what you're doing, you know, and, and, and the film and the concept and what makes it uniquely you and explain that why they want to be a part of it. You know, did that, I assume that helped that your, your ability to access that helped across the board. Did it help with your cast? I mean, you have a lot of great people in your cast or they people you knew was Emily, someone, Emily Deschanel, somebody that you'd known or had worked with, or how did you pull this team, this cast together? Carrie Barton and Paul Schnee and Jennifer were are our casting directors. They were amazing. They have a very huge resume of, I mean, Goodwill Hunting, American Psycho, Augustine County, the hell. I mean, like, you know, so they had great relationships. So it got our little indie that could, you know, some love and some attention. How did you get our, them? How did you get those, uh, that, them as your casting director? I just being brave enough to reach out. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, I had been auditioning for them for years. My manager at the time also knew them. So I reached out, they reached out. And then Carrie Barden read it and was like, yes, 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 and yes. So, and that's the other thing I'll say is finding your team that has a connection to your material is also really important. So almost everyone who's involved in this film, down to all the members of the crew, the investors, everyone has a tie to mental health, depression, suicide awareness, suicide prevention, all of these things. We're all trying to do something special with this film. So everyone kind, everyone really showed up. They poured in hours that they didn't have to, you know, like everyone really rallied and poured themselves into this project. And the same with the casting directors and and the cast that we finally got and and they had their own connections or they resonated with the material in that way. And then, you know, once we got together, it's kind of like when you know, you know, it was, it was instant. It was a connection. It was like, these are my people, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't know any of them going into it, but now, you know, they're some of my closest friends. And so I just feel so lucky. But yes, my amazing casting directors, my amazing producing partner who 
is Jay Seals and I love him to death. And he used pretty much every damn connection he had too. Like, that's the thing. We all had teams. Yeah. We only called in the big dog when we really need him. Like Cassian, I need you to call someone for me today. He's like, all right, cool. Who am I calling? You know, but we tried to do yeah. every legwork we possibly could before we had yeah. to call the big dogs, you know? Yeah. And so using your, your relationships to get you opportunities to talk to people who you could then kind of get on board, like you said, but if they don't resonate, like, I think it's an important distinction. Like you could use a connection to get to a lot of people. It doesn't mean it's going to work. It has to be the right person who resonates on some level with what you're doing. And you need to have that genuine like connection to what you're doing too. Once you finish and you're editing it, you know, the movies had a life, you know, there, there's the whole, you finished your post-production, the festivals, like tell me about festivals and like goals and what happened there, especially in the in the world we've lived in for the last few years. Well, yeah. So as you can imagine, my movie was like trapped in a post house during, a, during lockdown, new fees and new things came up that. Were you, so were you cutting in person before lockdown started? Yes. And luckily wow. enough, I had weeks left on my edit and we kind of heard of this like <laughs> COVID thing that might be coming around <laughs> and I'm like, never gonna happen. But we have a few weeks left, but we all felt really good about the cut. And we are like, you know what? On a Monday, we're like, this is it. We're going to do it. And then by Friday or Thursday, pandemic hits, world shuts down, and we are knee deep in the whole world shutting down. And, you know, the, the, you know, like the story yeah. after that. Yeah. And, How yeah. long did it take to get back to doing anything? Like, what was the delay between that? Like, sudden, like, we're close to finishing our cut. And then, like, was it months and months and months? <laughs> I mean, obviously, uh, was it a year? It couldn't have been the full it, year. It was definitely three or four months before I was able to get in and start actually kind of talking to the the uh, sound designers and start yeah. going on that journey with them. But yeah, we were locked out for a period of time. I mean, like my story, like that's why I'm like, I'm like the story, it, everything that could go wrong. Then we needed all these new fees. You know, I ended up moving out of the house we were in, moving in with family so that we could afford to put even more money into the film to get it through those new COVID ex like prices that were or expenses that were coming in. Wow. Yeah. Investment didn't like the last cash flow and investment didn't come in. Like it, it was just it was like holy shit, everything that could has, you know come up has, has happened. Um, did you reach the moment? I want to know the decision in these moments where you're faced with that. Like I have to move out. I have to do this. Like how hard is it to be brave there? <laughs> That's what I wanted. Like, like, or were you just, are you the kind of person where you're just like, I'm in this deep, I'm going like, I don't care where we land. I am. I am the type of person I am in this deep. This is it. We're going forward. There's no going back. So like, obviously we're going forward, but I did it with complete fear. No, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm the, everyone is just under this impression that Nadine is unshakable in her confidence. She just moves without <laughs> oh, my language, but no, I tell like, I make my team believe that inside. I'm like, holy shit. I have a son. I have a husband. I have things to provide, like, you know, and, yeah. but it was like, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that my husband is my absolute biggest fan and there's no one who believes in me more. So he's like, 
yeah, let's go live with your parents. Let's do this. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like anyone, like, I haven't lived That's with my parents since brave I was of him. 15. I know. He was more down for it than I was. I was like, I don't know about that. Like, you know, and he was like, no, this is what we got to do. Like, we're going to go there. It's going to be great just to get us through post. And we did. And then we were able right after like post and all those fees and all those different things. And then I had another job come through. And so we were able to like get back on our feet, you know, relatively quickly, you know, the universe was working, working, helping us out there to thank the Lord. Yeah. So it all, it all worked out. That being said, it was, yeah, it's always done with that. You, you just made it in quickly and a reference in passing, but like you had another job come in. So you had to keep working other things. Like a lot of people are like filmmaking. I'm just going to do that now. I'm just going to direct this thing. And then I'm going to, but it's like most of the time, no, you have to keep doing other stuff to also pay the bills. Not only that, you were like grateful for it. So like, how hard was it to, you finished your movie, you're back on another job and you're like, what's going to happen with my movie now that I put like everything into, you know, were you like, we're targeting these festivals and we're targeting these sales agents and like, you know, getting it out into the world is such a hard thing to do. Like, can you tell us about that? A little bit as the festival markets completely changed too in light of yes. COVID. So festivals is really hard. I'm going to be honest. We were hearing back from so many festivals that like where they normally have 5,000, 7,000, you know, submissions, they had 20, you know? And uh, so it was, it was really difficult. And we were hearing back from some of the festivals that we were really excited about how it was one of the most powerful films I've seen and then this and then that, but they just can't find placement and the cast that like, you know, I just think it, you have to have lightning in a bottle right now with the festivals and like everything on your side in a way that like indies used to shine. I mean, can anyone really tell yes. me like, a very small indie that's been shining this year that didn't have a Sundance Institute behind it or a yep. someone of something. Yeah. It's really hard right now. So we, submitted and and luckily we found our place at an amazing festival that is so passionate about our our film and Cassian always is our my now my manager and the producer our producer on this film but he is now our sales agent and he was from the second he saw it the first time he saw it he was like I have to sell this movie you have to let me sell it you know and he had a really really raw and visceral experience to it and it's that that moment will be with me forever when I finally shared it with him. And, you know, so now we're going into distribution world and like getting it out there. And I'm just basically sitting on my knees every day, praying, sweet baby Jesus, <laughs> and it all worked out. You know, it's like, it is blind faith. It is. It's, it's believing. I mean, like I just shared the film with like some of my, my grandparents and like some of my family and like their exact words were like, Holy, you know, wow. I cannot believe you. You know, did you ever think you could do it? Yeah, I'm pretty much the only person who thought I could, <laughs> you know, like I always knew. And that's the truth of it. You have to know with blind faith, because if you want them to know it, you got to know it and you got to believe it. And even those days where you've been beaten down, like there were days where it did. It, it got like, how do you keep faith in this? And like the answer is going, you just have to keep pressing forward. There is no back and there is no that like you got to just keep one foot in front of the other one day at a time. I wonder how much hearing you talk about it, I've talked to so many filmmakers before and I wonder how much your experience as a, as an actor has helped because you know, like the thick skin, but also like you just got to survive tough, like feedback or down days, or you go in like auditioning is like 
got to be one of the hardest things anybody does because there's such a mass of people who are doing it and you have no control over the outcome. All you can do is like go in there, right? Do the best you can, hope for the best, like be you and then move on, right? And then I like, I think for filmmakers, they have like having a dose of that knowledge of like, Hey, just show up and do your best. And that's all you can do. Like, that's very hard for people to, to wrap their minds around, but you seem to have like the inner reserves there. Well, I've been beaten down since I was 16 <laughs> with rejection. So like years of, you know, that, that the doors in your face, like get you. Yeah. I have pretty thick skin when it comes to that stuff now. You know, so you're right. I've never actually thought about that, but that those years of showing up and wanting something bad and just knowing that you got to have faith that you'll find your right ones and going through the, you know, nonstop auditioning four or five times a day, being on hold for fucking everything I'm going in for and, and not getting it and it not panning out. I mean, like it's hard. It's, it's those hard years. And yeah, I think it does give you that thick skin to be able what to was the in that trajectory, like from 16 on, like, when did you finally get to a, like, okay, like a couple things broke my way. Finally, <laughs> how long did it take to get to that? Like, I don't know. Cause you know, like as an actor, I feel like you always have a goal of where you want to go. So in my mind, I'm still like, I'm not even remotely where I want to be as far as like, you know, acting and creating and all of those things are, but, but yes, I started to get some success. I mean, I got some in the beginning and then there'd be like a year with nothing. And then you get like, so, like, you know, I had a year where I shot four things in like one year and was like, yes, it's finally happening. <laughs> and then it was like nothing for two years. And you're like, oh my God, will it ever happen again? You know, it's just oh, like, it, that is the life of, of an artist. And, but the craziest thing is like how messed up we all are is like, there's nothing else in this world that could bring me that same amount of joy that I get from creating, from portraying yeah. those characters or getting on set. Like it's, it's like my happiest moments. It's hard for me to shut off. Like I love living in that world. I'm in prep right now and shot listing every day. And it's just like, I love emerging into that world and just getting to live there, you know? So like That's those awesome. little so moments you get, keep you going through those that pain you know of wanting so the next your next directorial thing is is you're working on it like you're already onto that yeah that's awesome i I shoot two films this year and i attach my some of my dream cast i don't think i'm allowed to say it yet but i'm yeah i'm like i'm yeah pinching myself right now that uh, that's amazing so whatever happens with continue which is coming soon like and and like we'll be out in the world which is terrifying but exciting i'm sure too exciting (laughs) um you're gonna be working on other stuff so you have that like i'm already onto my my other projects and like sinking into them yeah and what i like what i keep having to tell myself is that continue already did what it was meant to do it Mm -hmm. showed people what lays inside me my heart it is going to help whoever it helps and i hope that people resonate with it but you know, the one thing that it seems like as many books and as many things as I keep doing, the advice that I keep hearing and getting is just feels so true to me now more than ever is if you make a film that you are proud of and that you love, that's all you can do at the end of the day. You can't control anything else. Like I have no idea if people are going to love this film or not, but I do. I love what me and my film, my my crew did, what my me and my team did, what me and my actors did. 
I am proud of what we created. And at every turn, when I was presented with a hard choice, I made the best one I could to make the film the best thing it could possibly be. You know, I made hard cuts and I killed so many darlings whom I love, (laughs) but you, but it was all for the greater cause. And at the end of the day, like I did all I could. So the rest is out of my hands, you know, (laughs) it's, it's terrifying, but also exciting to know, like, nothing more you can do. You make the film that you make, you pour yourself into it and how people react is how people react. I think we've all seen in this industry. It's like, you have no idea what is going to be the thing that hits, you know? Yeah. And there's so much, it's so hard to get through the noise and connect to people and find things. But like, I think again, when you make a, like a story like this, that has a personal meaning and has a potential to connect with people who are in a place of some kind of need, you can serve a purpose beyond just, just being popular. Like you can serve a purpose of like, you know, you could connect with somebody it could change what they do next, whether they live or die, honestly, yeah, like it's kind of absolutely. a crazy, like, but that's a, that's an amazing gift. So if you're serving a higher purpose like that, it, it adds something. I think you can walk away and feel satisfied, you know? Yeah. And that's why, honestly, most of my films that I like, you know, cause after continue, I was offered, I've been offered some great opportunities, but it's for me, what resonates with me is how am I helping? What am I doing with my light, with my life? Like, how can I help other people or, or, or tell a film that is going to inspire or or could change something or mean something, you know? And that doesn't mean I won't make just an entertaining film someday. At the same time, I'm really drawn to stories that shine a light on voices that need to be heard that maybe aren't in normal day, you know, life. I, I feel as, you know, that's why suicide, mental health, that really resonated with me because it's something that I feel no one talks about and that we need to talk about. And so, you know, my next films as well, all very poignant, very deep subject matter and some of the dark subject matter. Stuff you've written too? Um, Also written or stuff you've collaborated on writing? Yeah. The next one that I'm actually, that I'm, we're supposed to be starting June 15th is uh, actually based on a novel, an amazing novel, Desperation Road by Michael Ferris Smith. And, um, so I did not write that one. I He has worked with me in such a beautiful way to get the script to where we're both really confident in it. And then the film that I shoot at the end of the year, I did write. That's the job that actually came in. It was a movie I was offered to direct. And I loved the film, but the, <laughs> film, the film that it inspired in my brain that it could be excited me more. And so I persuaded all of those producers to pay me to do a full rewrite on the script to turn it into something that I felt really passionate about. And now that is what we're doing. And I got the script to uh, a place that I believe it will really help people. And it's a really, really beautiful film again about shining light on suicide prevention, mental health, but really about childhood trauma and, and sexual assault and, and different, you know, really deep subject matter again, but once again, something that I think that we need to shine a light on and, and believing children when they're brave enough to come forward and, you know, so many things and how that trauma manifests to us as adults. That's really what the story is about is that that trauma doesn't just go away. It sticks with you forever. And then it shapes who you become as an adult. So, you know, I really wanted to look into that into the psyche and, and what that looks like and what that can feel like and put people in that world to see it for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my wife does work in that field and 
I am so aware that there's like so little, I mean, she talks about it all the time, but in entertainment, in any popular culture, it's just what children's experience with that stuff is just not covered. It just doesn't come up. It's very rarely seen or discussed or, you know, so, so because it's kind of hidden, it ends up being hard. It makes it even harder and harder for people to come forth or even approach what they're experiencing or address what they experienced and they're carrying with them. Yeah. And it seems this is something that I feel we all have a ton of sympathy also though, when they are children and when it is that we all want to save children. But then what I feel that none of us really have is that same kind of sympathy to the men or people that these, they grow up to be and that pain and that damage that it, it does on them. And they're like, yeah, but you're an adult now. It should be gone. No, that's not how trauma works. Unfortunately, you know, otherwise PTSD and things like that wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have struggles that last long after the traumatic event, you know? So yeah, to me, it was like, it is really important that we shine a light on children and, and believing them and the, and what that looks like and what it does and what it does to the adults they grow up to be. And I felt like spotlight touched on that for two seconds. Mm -hmm. And when I watched that movie, I was like, that's what I want to know about. Why is no one talking about that? And so I was like, I will. Okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) let's do it. You know, so uh, as in the words of my casting director, Carrie Barden, and it was actually one of the like nicest, I think, comments anyone's ever said to me was like, in my own way, he was like, for one of the brightest lights I know, you write some of the darkest stuff I've ever seen. And I'm like, (laughs) because life is that way. I've been through a lot of dark times and dark experiences and trauma and all of that, but it's who I choose to be today. It's what I choose to do with all of that experience on how it forms who I am going forward. I, okay. I went through that. How can I try and make sure not as many people go through that or they don't have to, how can I help the people who have been through that to feel seen and to feel heard and to not feel alone because the worst of all of it is isolation and feeling alone and all of it, mental health, depression, you know, childhood trauma, all of it, feeling like a freak because of what you went through and thinking you're the only one. But I, the one thing I want to say while I'm on here and I have a voice is that only through making continue, did I realize how many people struggle with this only through mm-hmm. knowing about suicide and suicide prevention. Now, do I understand the statistics and the numbers and that it's getting younger and younger and it used to just be middle-aged men. And now it is our children. It is our youth. And it's starting at ages nine. That is insane to me at nine that someone that a child could believe that it's time for their life to end. It is just beginning. And it and as a mother, I'm like, oh hell no, I won't stop. You know, I gotta, I gotta make a dent in this somehow. And who knows if I will, but I'm gonna damn well try for the rest of my life to do it, you know? Yeah, that is uh, a beautiful pursuit. I mean, so many people don't even think about using the voice or the platform or making movies to say anything, <laughs> let alone something that they think could actually help people who are in need or are facing that sort of darkness and that aloneness. It's a really powerful film. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about it. And I I hope it does well and I hope people see it and uh, good luck with everything else. You know, thank you for being so honest. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) It's been a lot of fun. Yes, of course. Anytime. (laughs) Come back, come back after the next one. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Nadine, for coming on the podcast. 
Look, this is one of those things where somebody really put it all out there to make a movie and they made it from a genuine place. And that's what we kept talking about. I think that it's harder and harder to cut through all the noise, right? Even if you're just trying to get somebody interested in watching something, let alone financing it. But Nadine's commitment to what this is came from a real place and people pick up on that. So if you're trying to figure out what to do next or why you should do it, I think that's a really good indicator as to what might carry you all the way to the finish line because it's a long road. It's not an easy road either. So be sure to check out all kinds of cool filmmaking stories and more over at nofilmschool.com. We cover tech news, industry news, education, and everything filmmaking related. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, check us out on Instagram and YouTube. We have a weekly newsletter. By subscribing to the newsletter, you will also get a free ebook, either our How to Write a Screenplay ebook or our complete guide to DSLR cameras and cinematography. So, either way, you get a cool ebook for free and you get our newsletter. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.